Welcome back, everyone. So happy to have you here again this week. We're very grateful. And if you are watching online, we're also grateful to have you. And if you're on fall break not watching online, we love you. So uh, this morning, we're going to just jump back into a little bit of what we talked about last week. Um, Talked about, obviously, moving mountains, what that looks like. And um, I was really, really just blown away this week. I appreciated um, all the messages of people being very vulnerable. It was really exciting just seeing people um, message me about some of the stuff they're walking through. And and some of the stuff was extremely heavy. And I just, I so appreciated that because it was just a reminder that God is, is working in people's lives. And I think during a time where it feels like, uh, sometimes it feels, you know, a little hopeless, um, but God is moving, and there's good things taking place, and so um, we're just extremely grateful for those opportunities to always walk walk with people, and so um, let's just real quick, let's start off in prayer. I know Tammy just prayed, and um, but yeah, let's just start off in prayer real fast, if you don't mind. Lord, we come before you. We're extremely blessed because we have an opportunity to know you. Sometimes when we think of the word blessed, it seems like everything has to be going well for us to say that, but I think the truth is, God, that we are blessed because we have an opportunity to accept you as our Savior and to live a life of freedom, and we have an opportunity every day, Father, to display the love that you've given to us to others, and so what I ask, God, is that in the next 20, 30 minutes, God, that your Holy Spirit would just move. You would touch our hearts wherever we're at, if we're watching online or if we're in this room right now. Um, God, I just ask that you would you'd move in our spirits. We know that you're the only one who can change us, and we humble ourselves before you knowing that, that we're really not all that important. We're a very small part in your big, big story. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So real quick, if just to start off, I'd, I'd kind of like to get two people up here. So I'm going to have Luke and Mitchell. I didn't tell you guys we were doing this. If you could come up here real fast. I totally did not give you a heads up on this. But yes, give them a round of applause. So we're going to get you guys up here real quick. I'm going to have you do a task. I actually originally had a task that I was going to have you guys do, but I was like, man, I don't even think I can do that myself anymore. So I don't want to ask someone to do something that I can't do on stage. I was going to have you guys do like 10 or 25 push-ups or something like that on stage, but honestly, I don't think I can do 25 push-ups at this point in my life. I can do the knee ones. I used to make fun of my mom. She'd get on her knees and do the push-ups, and I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like, come on. And then now I'm realizing, wow, if I'm not on my knees, I think, I mean, I'm getting a little, little top-heavy here. So what we're going to have you do, instead of the 10 push-ups, I don't want to embarrass you guys, I'm going to have you guys do 25 jumping jacks. So Mitchell, if you can come over here. Luke, if you can, this might be worse. So... All right, let's, uh, let, you know what, actually, let's get some crowd engagement. Let's count the jumping jacks, okay? So, ready? And it's not, it's not a race. It's not a race. It's, well, they, they're making it a race, I think, okay? 25 jumping jacks. We'll try to do them at the same time. I'm not going to do them with you guys. I don't want to get sweaty up here. So we're going to count 1 to 25. So ready, set, go. Crowd 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, good form, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 
25. Now, I could have just totally done my illustration by having you guys do five. But, oh, guys, by the way, also, I want to pay you for those. So, Mitchell, here's $10. Here's a crisp $10 bill. Thank you very much. Luke, here's a $1 bill. There you go. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. So, obviously, it was a fair, it was a fair payday. So, you might have guessed it. What we're talking about today is exactly what just took place. And like I said, I really could have made my example with five, but I just thought, let's get some crowd interaction going, and let's get these kind of out-of-shape guys in shape. That was kind of the, you know, that was kind of the goal. So 25 jumping jacks, they did the exact same amount. They did the same time. It looked like the same form, same effort. Wonderful. Congratulations. That's amazing. Mitchell, you walked away with a solid $10, which was actually my dad's because I said, I texted him this morning, said, hey, I forgot money for my illustration. I'm going to need $22 because I need it for the next service. And by the way, you're not getting that back. So that's kind of what I told him. But it's this idea of fairness is what we're going to be talking about this morning. And I actually think that this can be a really big deal in our lives. And I think secretly, if we were all to think internally about this idea of fairness, I think we could all say we get wrapped up in the idea of fairness. Fairness can actually become an idol in our lives. What I mean by this is we actually, for some reason, even if you're sitting here and you don't think that you ever think, oh, God, this is not fair, maybe you've never said that, or you don't think to yourself, like, oh, life's not fair, all this stuff. Every single one of us have been through something or are experiencing something or are dealing with something that just in our minds is not fair. This makes, this makes perfect sense because every single one of us has had something take place in our lives. Some of you have had a significant loss in your life. And during those periods of time, it just simply was not fair. Some of you are dealing with different things in your life, stress, anxiety, addiction, it doesn't matter. And you might look at God and say, this is simply not fair. Why me? Why am I dealing with this? How could you let this happen in my life? How, could, how come I'm dealing with this, but the person down here is not dealing with this? We have a very similar upbringing. How is this happening? The idea of fairness. And we start to think in our minds that God owes us something. We think in our minds that everything should be fair. We think in our minds that we don't have as good of a life as somebody to our right or somebody to our left, and we get caught up in this idea of fairness. And I'm telling you, if we're not careful, it can actually become an idol in our lives, and I'm gonna explain that today. It can become a huge mountain, the mountain of fairness. You walk up to it and you think, man, that does not make any sense because Things just aren't fair, and so what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna work really hard to climb this mountain of fairness so that I can get even with everybody else because we should all be treated equal, right? Yes, I agree, we should all be treated equal. Here's the thing, that is not always a reality. We know this, obviously in our society we know this, but at the same time, it's not even just about being treated equal. The problem sometimes is this, life just isn't fair. And if you look in the scriptures, you can see time and time again where things are not fair. Some of the most incredibly passionate people about Jesus in our scriptures are the ones that are in chains. 
They're not the ones that are getting praised, that are saying, oh man, like you look at some of our leaders today and some of the most, if you will, spiritual leaders are like the people that you watch on the podcast, the people that you type in on YouTube, you're like, oh man, these people have it all together. You know, I love like Stephen Furtick and Judah Smith and Carl Lentz and all those guys. I love listening to those guys. And it's like, everybody's like, oh, let's type them in on YouTube and let's watch. Like these are like the, the, the founders of our, you know, these are like the the, the next big thing of our faith. These are exciting guys. Like, we have to do this. And it's really interesting. When I look at the scriptures, I'm like, man, it's kind of actually backwards. Because although they're in the scriptures, and yes, they, they left a legacy, a lot of these big-time people were in chains. Life just isn't fair. Sometimes you get praised for doing things. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're in the back. We have tons of people. In fact, I don't want you to turn around and look at them, make them feel awkward. But they're awkward. But there's three guys right now that are in the back that literally are behind the scenes that faithfully come on Thursday nights to rehearsal, faithfully show up earlier than I do, and I'm supposed to be up here speaking, and they're here early in the morning preparing, and those three guys back there, you will not, after the service, you will not say, wow, great service. You might say that to me. You'll say, oh, great service. You will not say that to them. Why? Because you did not see them. I, I don't deserve any praise for being up here. Those are the guys right there that are making this happen. The band that works hard that's making this happen but the thing is, sometimes life just isn't fair. I'm gonna get a couple compliments. They're not gonna get any compliments because no one's seeing them. Life is just simply not fair. And there's been times where I've been on the good side of the fairness, and there's been times where I've been on the bad side of the fairness. By the way, if you see those guys after the service, please tell them thank you just now that we said that. But I wanna tell you, there is just some times that life is not fair. And so I wanna read you a scripture in Matthew 20, one through 16, a story is being told. And it's essentially exactly what we just talked about, and it's also pretty much what Mitchell and Luke just experienced right here. So, stories being told, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He sees a couple guys stand there. He's like, hey, I could use more workers. You guys interested? Sounds good. Now keep in mind, I want you to go back to 21 through 16. A landowner goes out in the morning early to hire workers. Now the second bunch, it's about 9 in the morning. I wouldn't consider, well, I was going to say I wouldn't consider 9 in the morning early but actually, I would love to sleep in probably. I could be one of those guys that sleep in until 1. I hate the morning. So maybe for some of you, 9 in the morning is early. That, that, I would like to say that 9 sounds about a good time to wake up. So maybe these guys, I don't know what early looks like, but maybe the first bunch is up at 6 a.m., okay? So they're up at 6 a.m., let's say, and the second bunch is up at 9 a.m., and so now they're all working together. He goes out again about noon, so another three hours, and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. Different periods of time, this landowner is going out and getting different workers. About five in the afternoon, it's getting late. For most of you guys, are wrapping up around five o'clock. So why is he going out? So about five in the afternoon, he goes out and he found still others standing around. He said, hey, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? He said to them, why don't you also go and work in my vineyard? Would love it. I need more guys. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So each one of them 
It's getting paid. So when those come out, came out who were hired first, they expected to receive more, correct? That just makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. In fact, why would you not do that? If I work at six in the morning all the way to five, I should get more than the person that started at five and worked at eight. So when those came out who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble. Great word, by the way. They began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have become, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who is hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Generous. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now, this is an interesting part of Scripture, and there's so much here we could dive into. But unfortunately, the last 10 messages, I've went probably 10 or 15, went 15 minutes over in the second service last week. And so I told the band and every, well, basically everybody I committed to not going over. So I am certainly going to rush this almost. But I don't want to rush some of these big, these big parts. There is a lot to chew on with this particular passage. And I think one of the things that takes place in our lives is this is exact thing right here. We have this idea in our mind that everything should be fair. In fact, I think it's one of the bigger things right now that our society is dealing with. We want everything to be fair. We want everything to be equal. We want everyone and everything to experience the same fairness. I would love to see that. In a perfect world, I would love to see where every single individual is treated with grace, mercy, and kindness. I would absolutely love to see it. I would love to see those who are poor have money to be able to feed their families. I'd love to see countries that don't have water experience something to drink. I would love to see kids who can't get Christmas presents on Christmas to wake up and and open their presents and be excited. I'd love to see those who aren't able to afford a vacation go on a great vacation. I would love to see that. But the truth is, we know that's not the case. We know that right now there is people in our society being treated unfairly. We know there's people that don't have money to go on vacation. We know that there's different countries right now that don't have water to drink. There's kids right now that are starving. You can look at the stats, and it's mesmerizing to me. I go to a buffet and pound my face, and I think to myself, and I, don't, I mean, I don't feel guilty. What am I supposed to do? Like, I... I'm trying to do my part, you're trying to do your part. We, I, we get all that, but at the same time, it's amazing. Like, there, it just, life isn't fair. There, there's gonna be things that take place in your life. There, you, you're gonna lose somebody that you really love, and you're gonna ask God, why did this happen to me? You're gonna be in a relationship that doesn't work out, and you're gonna say, why, this, why did this happen to me? You're gonna be in something or do something, and you're gonna look at God and say, God, this is not fair. This simply is not fair. And the truth is you have every right to do this because I think one of the things that we do, we get, we get to such a point sometimes in our lives that we don't want to question God, we don't want to doubt God, and we don't want to wrestle with God. But the truth is if you look at the scriptures, there's a lot of wrestling with God. In fact, I think the times that you wrestle with God is the times that you recognize in those moments how strong he is. You recognize how glorious he is. You, you recognize in your own life how great our God is when you wrestle with him. I think there's some good that can come from wondering why things aren't fair. But the truth is, as we know, is there is things just like this in the scripture that's taking place 
that each one of you might be doing something and you're getting the exact same praise, you're getting the same thing of somebody that did not work as hard as you. They're getting a denarius just like you did. Why does Jesus talk about this story? Why does God tell us this story? Because he wants to make a point to you and me that life is simply not fair. But the giver who is giving you the blessing is the thing that you should be focused on. Those guys, before they started working for that landowner, they, had, they did not have the denarius that he gave them. And whether they worked from 9 to 8 p.m. or 5 to 8 p.m., they did not have a denarius before they started working for him. And the whole point and context of the story realistically is instead of focusing on the amount of denarius that they got, they should have focused on the fact that the giver gave them a denarius to begin with. There is things in your life right now that are not good. There's things in your life that are not great. And we love to focus on the things that are not great and think, God, how can this be better? How can my house be better? How can my life be better? How can my relation? Those are all great things because we want to pursue I think it's good to pursue greatness and try to be the best we can and who God made us to be, yes. But when all we do is focus on what we don't have, we begin to think that God has given us nothing. And we get an attitude that God is not fair. Can I tell you something? God's 100% fair. He's 100% just. And just because you don't understand his plan doesn't make him unfair. So I want to tell you there's some, a couple different things that this morning that I really want to highlight, and there's, there's really three things that we're going to focus on. But I think that some of us have let the idol of fairness creep in, and it's making us compare everything, and that comparison is killing our calling. I really believe that. So the first thing that the mountain of fairness does is it makes us compare. That is the exact thing that I do. That is the exact thing that you do. And when you get to a place of comparison, you start to think that God doesn't hear you, he doesn't value you, he doesn't see you as an asset to his ministry. Maybe, you, maybe you've never been a person that compares, but I, I, I don't believe it. How many of you guys, let me ask you a question. I think everybody that's sitting in this room could probably say yes. How many of you have ever looked at somebody else and said, I'm better than them at this and they're getting a better opportunity than me. Like, you know that you have gifts. There, in fact, I'll even say, there's people, there's, there's, there's people in my life that I know around the country that are a couple buddies of mine, and I've literally looked at them at times and thought to myself, from a worldly perspective of op- opportunity, I've looked at them and thought, man, that's interesting that God put them there because I'm better than them at this, and yet they're having this opportunity Why am I not having this opportunity? What just happened there? Pride just stuck in my heart because now all of a sudden I think I'm actually something. I think that I'm better than them or I think that I have more to give God and what that does in that particular moment is that kills my calling because God looks at me and says, that's great that they're doing that. Like, awesome, that's where I sent them but I called you here. I called you to this spot. I called you to this place with these people to do this. And when you start comparing, maybe you're a teacher and you just think, man, I'm a better teacher than this person. Why are they getting this opportunity? Also, can I say this? The people with the most money are not always the smartest people. I know a few people that are extremely brilliant, humble people that are making a decent living. I also know some people, a couple of my buddies, I'll just be honest with you, a couple of my buddies making some very, very good money and they could not be dumber 
I mean that. Yeah, they have a couple gifts. That's great. They're making some money. They're living in their house. They've even said, oh, you should come do this. You could make this. You could make this. I'm thinking, yeah, I know I could because you're dumb and I'm smarter than you. And that's actually just the truth. That's not me being... I'm like, I'm actually, yes, I could make more money than you probably because I don't, first of all, I don't know how you're doing that, but life just isn't fair. Like it, it, there's, and I know maybe some of you have felt that way. Like I'm, I have more gifts than this person. I could do this better. The people with the most money aren't always the smartest. The, the people with the greatest opportunity, are, there's people in the scripture that have gotten a ton of credit for what they did. And there's a people, a ton of people who were left out of the scriptures that did a lot for the kingdom. Can I tell you that? Paul gets a lot of credit. Noah gets credit. Moses gets credit. There was a lot of Noah's. There was a lot of Moses's. There was a lot of Paul's. There was a lot of Peter's. They're not in the scriptures. It does, I believe obviously the scriptures are ordained. There's a reason for it. But there was more people than just those people that were willing to take a bullet for Jesus, that were willing to sacrifice for, the, for Jesus. And they're not in here. That's not fair. But life is not fair. And when you compare yourself to somebody else's situation, to somebody else's marriage, to somebody else's relationship, you begin to idolize the idea that I have to get ahead. You start maybe changing the way you do things. You might start changing, you know, from everything. I don't know, maybe for a student, you change the way you dress because you're comparing yourself to that, that, that girl who's really pretty or that guy who has it all. Like, I'm going to change the way I dress. I'm going to change the way I do my hair. I'm going to change the way I look because, like, I just, I need, and God's like, that's great, but, like, you know that I've just made you to be you. Yeah, you can, I'm not saying trends, fashion trends are bad or anything. I love a good fashion trend myself, but when we start comparing, we try to be other people. That's where the issue is. So the first one is we try to compare. The second one is this. The mountain of fairness makes us feel owed. I can honestly say that I have felt this way before in my own life. I felt like I've been faithful. I felt like I've done certain things. And then when something bad happens to me, I actually begin to question God. Because I think, whoa, 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 God. I was faithful. You owe me. You owe me. Maybe you're not as, as bad as me and maybe you don't think that, that God ever owes you. But have you ever got to a place in your life you're like, God, I've been faithful. I've been a servant. I've sacrificed. I've done all these things. And look where this has gotten me. No recognition, nothing, blah, 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 all the above. And you start to think that God actually owes you. God, you owe me. Look at what I'm doing for you. How could you possibly do this? To be honest, I think Noah might have been thinking that. Because Noah might have thought to himself, wait a minute, I'm the only one being faithful. Why am I the one that has to sacrifice the next two years and build a huge ark? Can you imagine Noah out there? I don't think there was hammers and nails at that point. That story's always confused me a little bit, but it's like, obviously, he was building some things, and I look at it, and I'm like, so the guy that's being faithful is the one that the other, for the two years or whatever that he was building the ark, the other people were out partying, having a good time, living their life. Noah's the one that is sacrificing and working? That doesn't make any sense. God, you owe me. Noah could have easily looked at God and said, no. You send the ark. I'm not going to build this ark. I'm the one that's being faithful. These people are living wicked. You want to wipe out everybody except my family? You send the ark. You owe me. And we get to a spot in our lives where I really believe, especially Christians who have walked a life with Jesus, sometimes get to a place where we feel like, because I've been faithful, because you know whatever it might be, God, you owe me. I should not be dealing with this. We should not be dealing with this. We've been faithful. Why can't you help us with this? 
you owe me. It's the second thing. It's a really scary place to get in. The third one is this. The mountain of fairness makes us have earthly desire. In the scriptures in James 1 through 14, it won't be up on the screen, but it says, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. What is this saying? This is simply saying to you and me that if we do not desire something, we cannot be tempted by it. You've heard that before, but it's true. We cannot be tempted by something that we do not desire. But when we think that God is not fair and we compare ourselves and we feel like he owes us, what do we start to do? We start to focus on ourselves. When we start to focus on ourselves, we get to a selfish place where we feel like we need to get ahead in life. We need to one-up the person to our left. We need to have a better life than the Joneses. We need to make sure our house is better, our cars are better, our life is better, our vacations are better, our family's better. We need to make sure that everything's perfect. Last week I talked about weaknesses. Make sure none of us show any weaknesses. We need to make sure everything is good because we're gonna compare and we start to desire all these things We start to desire a life that is about us. I've heard this so many times, and sometimes in the sports world, when guys are going for contracts, they'll say, hey, and I don't blame them. I don't blame any of these guys for getting these contracts. If teams are willing to pay, many of you probably know, but this past year, Patrick Mahomes, who's a Super Bowl quarterback for the Chiefs, signed the first ever half-billion-dollar contract. He signed, uh, I think it was 13 years or 15 years or whatever, $500 million. I don't blame him for signing that. If somebody offered me $500 million to play football, I'd be signing that as well. I don't blame him at all for signing that. And I hear this all the time in the sports world. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do me, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my money, or I'm gonna get this. And I actually think that is us. Sometimes we get to places in our lives where we think I'm owed something, and I'm gonna have a desire for this, And that is the path that I'm gonna go down and I'm gonna desire this so much that I'm gonna think that God needs to give me what I deserve. It's a mentality of fairness. I've worked hard, therefore I get a lot of money. These guys in the scriptures, they they thought the same thing probably. Well, I worked hard, I worked from nine to five, nine to eight, why am I getting the same amount of denarius? We We should be happy And this is coming from somebody who struggles with this. We should be happy when we have food on our table. We should be happy by some of the things we have. But unfortunately, instead of focusing on God's goodness and the blessings that he's actually poured out to us, we start focusing on these earthly desires. How can I get ahead? How can I get uh, further in my career? All this thing, Good, good things, all good things. But when you have the mentality of fairness, that life needs to be fair, and God owes me fairness, and God owes me what's mine, all of a sudden we get to a place where we do not find God as a good God. We do not see God as a loving God. We do not see God as a just God. We don't even see God as a God who wants to have a relationship with us because we just look at him as this big bad monster who's just trying to make our life not so good and wants to make the people down the street's life better. Maybe you've never got caught up. Maybe I'm speaking to a wall this morning, but I want to tell you that I believe that the idol of fairness is something that we've gotten caught up in. And maybe this morning, whatever you're dealing with, you're thinking to yourself, God, this is not fair. Maybe you're struggling with addiction. 
and you've tried to battle it and you're thinking, God, this is not fair. I should not have to deal with this. Nobody else is dealing with this. It's just me. The enemy starts to creep in and lie to you. Maybe you're somebody who's just like, you're struggling to have a child and you're thinking, God, how come they get to have a kid? We'd be better parents than them. Maybe you're an individual who has been in a broken relationship. Maybe you've been an individual who's lost somebody. And it just, it doesn't seem fair. How could we lose this child? How could we lose this parent? How could we lose this sibling? How could I lose my spouse? God, this is not fair. And this morning, I wanna tell you words that really aren't probably very encouraging. (laughs) It's not fair. It's not. Some of you guys are dealing with sickness and disease and you didn't ask for it and it's not fair and I'd love to sit up here and I've looked in the scriptures as I was preparing I've looked in in the scriptures and I've read the scriptures and I've seen all kinds of unfair stories but what I don't see is an unfair unjust God I see a just God I see a God who loves you I see a God who is willing to walk through those things with you I would have loved if he would have promised fairness to us Like I said, I'd love if there was no starving children. I'd love if everybody had something to drink. I'd love all these things. But we know that the world right now is unfair. The world is unjust, but do not get a picture because the world is unfair and the world is unjust that you serve a God that is unfair and unjust because you don't. You serve a God who loves you, who wants what's best for you, who cares for you, who has a passion for you, who wants relationship with you. That's the type of God that you serve this morning. And I want to read something as the band uh, would begin to come up because I got a little bit of time left, but I'm not going to go over. I committed to that today. I'm not even going to go over a minute, let alone 15. <laughs> um, I thought this was really cool. I want to read this. I, I saw a writer had, had written this, and um, I thought this was really, really cool when it comes to this idea of fairness. A blameless God creates humanity, which unfairly rejects its creator. In story after story, the Bible's narrative is the same. God rescues his people, and they reject his rule. And every rescue from the flood to the exodus to the lion's den is foreshadowing the greater rescue to come. Arguably, God's people do not deserve to be rescued. And if any one of us were in God's place and rejected were rejected by those those we love, it'd be very difficult for us to turn the other cheek and bear the cost to restore the relationship. Wow. Somebody's wronged you? I'm not gonna, no. No, I'm not gonna have a relationship with them. No, I'm not gonna treat them with respect. They wronged me. Why would I show them grace? They treated me unfairly, and that is now the definition of this relationship. They owe me something And if they don't ever apologize or they don't ever give me what I want, I'm never going to forgive them. I'm never going to treat them like God has asked me to treat them because you know what? They do not deserve that forgiveness. They do not deserve that grace. Would we do that? Would we do that if we were rejected the way that we reject God? I love that. It'd be very difficult for us to turn the other cheek and bear the cost to restore the relationship. Yet this is exactly what Jesus does for us. He leaves heaven and he comes to earth. I'm getting chills thinking about it. This is a God who is literally sitting on the throne. 
When I'm sitting on the couch on Sunday and somebody wants me to get up, the only time I'm getting up is if I have to get chips or something to drink. Like, I'm not even getting up from the couch to do what somebody's asking. Nobody even asked him to come down. He didn't only get up off the throne, he, or get off, off, off the couch, he got off the throne to come down and go through a miserable, painful death for you and me. The creator... He walks among his creation. The gospel writer John records that Jesus came to his own and was rejected. He was literally rejected. His own creation did not recognize him, but he still came. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, as it says in Mark 10, 45. I loved what Beckett Cook said August 9th, if you were here. Fair? I'm looking for a life of fair? Was it fair that Jesus came down from the throne and hung on the cross for me? No, it was not fair. So every time I feel like I need to be treated fairly or I deserve fairness or whatever I'm going through, I should not be going through it because that is not fair. Maybe you look at at what Jesus did for you. Maybe I look at what Jesus did for me and I say, you know what? Wow, I know this is not fair. God, I I did not ask for this. I did not ask to walk through this. I did not ask for this situation. But I will tell you what, God, you did not ask for this situation. And you still did it. And you know, therefore, I'm not going to worry about my fairness. I'm going to worry about serving you. Whether it means I'm in chains, whether it means my mind is a prison, whether it means I'm sick, whether it means I have a broken relationship, no matter what I'm walking through, I'm going to recognize that I know that it's not fair. You didn't, you didn't promise that. But the mountain of fairness is a mountain that we get caught up in a lot. And I believe that when you start to see fairness as this huge thing, that this is like the catapult of your life. I see it all the time in our society. Everything has to be fair. Everybody has to be happy. That's just not reality. I don't even understand why we're pursuing that. That's not reality. There's people in other countries that literally have, you see, 10-story buildings collapse due to an earthquake, and they die. How is that fair? Like, just look around. Life is not fair. And God, God is looking at you and saying, I just promised you that I will walk with you through the unfairness. So my challenge to you today is would you let him, if you're walking through an unfair situation, would you just let him walk with you today and stop asking him why it's fair every moment? There's gonna be moments you do, and I said that earlier. It's good to wrestle. It's good to wrestle. But you don't need to ask him every single second, God, why are you doing this? Why is this fair? Because he didn't promise us fairness. He simply promised he would walk with you in the unfairness. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I feel like, man, there was a lot more that I could have said. In fact, I feel like I have some things in my back pocket, but I'm gonna get these individuals out of here. I'm gonna stick to this commitment, God. Father, we come to you. I hope today I sounded like a broken record. I think I said the word fair 68 times. No, I don't know how many times I said it, God, but I want to sound like a broken record up here this morning. I want to simplify this thing and let us and remind myself that life is not fair. But for some odd reason, God, in our minds, we often get to a place, even if we want to admit it this morning or not, we get to a place where we do think to ourselves, why is this happening to me? 
Why am I going through this? Why are they experiencing this? Why can I not experience this? We do this in our lives and it becomes an idol. I believe it. It becomes an idol so much that we will, we will pursue all these earthly things to make sure that we get what we want. We get treated fairly. We get to a place where we think we have to move this mountain of comparison, like we have to get to a place where we're better than or at least equal to everybody. You did not promise that. You simply promised that you'd walk us through. So this morning, if people are dealing with, I don't know what they're dealing with, but if they're dealing with anything and they think it's unfair, you know what, they're right, it is unfair. But I ask that it'd be a perspective shift, God, that they would be able to allow God to move the mountain in their life, recognizing I don't have to climb this mountain to try to reach the top and be better than people or, or get my, my due or I'm gonna get what's mine or I'm gonna be selfish or I'm just looking out for me. Because <laughs> that's an attitude we have sometimes. I'm just gonna look out for me and my family. That's, that's great. That should be a priority. You've called us to that. But not, that's not the whole priority. We should love our neighbors as you've loved us. So we shouldn't just be looking out for ourselves. And when we take the focus off ourselves and we lay our selfishness down, because this is ultimately rooted in self, selfishness and pride, if we lay those things down and we focus on you, God, and your kingdom, we will suddenly realize that when we're in chains, it's totally fine. It's totally fine, God, because we're not out to serve ourselves. We're serving you. And whatever that story looks like, we hand it over to you. We love you, God. We thank you. We're so grateful for you, Jesus. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen.